Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio where we help businesses become amazing by delivering amazing customer service experiences. And we're just going to talk for a few minutes on some really interesting stats and facts that I learned about just recently. Uh, By the way, we have a great interview coming up with Don Sorensen. He's going to talk about his latest book, and actually it's his first book called Big Hearted Leadership. Don's an amazing guy. had a chance to work with Don uh, at his company, which is Mercy, and actually it's a healthcare system, one of the largest in the region. I, I live in St. Louis. Don lives in St. Louis, and I met met Don a number of years ago when I worked with his organization. He's going to talk about how he created this culture and how he uses his leadership principles to drive a customer service culture. So that's coming up in just a little while. But just want to share with you some interesting facts that came out in a recent report from Gartner, who does some amazing surveys. They found, and this is an impressive number, 89% of companies surveyed have allocated budget to compete primarily on the basis of customer experience for this year, 2016. And that is a big rise because when they started uh, looking at this type of information back in 2014, get this, 36% of companies had allocated a budget toward the customer experience. So this is a, if I do my math correctly, this is a 53% increase. And uh, that was in 2014, just two years ago. And then last year, uh, the number jumped up from 36% to 58%. So uh, today it's 89%. That's 31%. And that just tells me that companies are spending more and more money on the concept of customer experience. It's a competitive advantage. It's something that's going to make a big difference uh, and a competitive difference. At the end of the day, most companies sell a commodity. A customer can go to one company, learn about their product, and find either the exact product or a very similar product uh, at another company, at competitors. And what's going to make the difference? It's going to be the experience and the service. And I'll go a step further, even the relationship that that customer has with the company. And how does that relationship become strong? It comes. It becomes strong through an amazing customer experience. Because when that happens, the customer starts to build trust. Trust leads to confidence. Confidence comes from a predictable and consistent experience that the company decides to deliver to their customer. The customer likes it, enjoys it, gets it every time, and they want to come back. And maybe there's even an individual within the company. So uh, I think that's a really important concept to keep in mind is that we should be focusing on spending time, energy, and even money on developing a better customer experience. Gartner's proving that more and more companies are doing that. 89%. By the way, that only means that 11% of the people or companies out there aren't doing it, which means most likely almost 9 out of 10 of your competitors are spending money and giving a big focus to the customer experience. According to Forrester, which is another research firm, better customer service correlates with higher revenue growth in most industries. And I think uh, the the most obvious industries that are finding this out have to do with direct uh, relationships with customers, companies like airlines, investment firms, um, anybody that you do business with on a frontline retail 
oriented business. Let's give some uh, more stats and facts that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, Matthew Dixon uh, has written a book, The Effortless Experience, Conquering the New Battleground for Customer Loyalty. And uh, Matthew, uh, there was an article that was written by him, and and this is what was interesting. that I'm going to read this straight out, just as a paragraph here. Dixon's findings have shown that customers who face low effort getting their problems resolved were 94% more likely to repurchase again and 88% more likely to increase their spend. Now, that's just a quick little sentence. The effortless experience. How important is the effortless experience? I mean, get it. If it's anything that's other than effortless, that means that the customer's getting friction they're having frustration uh, they're not happy but if things are resolved quickly and easily in other words with as little effort as possible they are 94 percent more likely to repurchase again and 88 percent spend more money now what that is to me is what you've done is you've taken a customer that is on the fence giving you a chance to save the relationship and when you do it right and you, you do it where it restores their confidence, they're willing to spend more money. I want to just talk about an, another stat, and this is really important, is that loyal customers not only come back more, not only come back more frequently, not only talk about you to their friends, their colleagues, their you know family members, whatever type of business you're in, but they also spend more. And there's a direct correlation to taking care of the customer and getting them to come back, especially when there's a problem, and creating a loyal customer and getting them to come back. So I think that when you have uh, a customer that's on the fence, that has a problem, that is concerned, and brings it to your attention, you must seize it as an opportunity to show how good you are. Because the goal is not to just fix a problem, but to restore customer confidence. And when customers have confidence, confidence ultimately leads to loyalty. So that's my little sermon, so to speak, for today. We're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Don Sorensen about his great book, Big Hearted Leadership. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. I love a good book, and Donna Cutting's new book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet, is a great one. The passion that Donna has for customer service is evident as you read this book. She shares how she treats her customers like they're celebrities and gives you 501 ways that you can do the same. So if you want to create raving fans, check out Donna Cutting's new book on Amazon.com, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back, and I'm excited because today we're going to be interviewing a gentleman who I have known for many years, and he'll tell you exactly how many, uh, but I met him when I was speaking for a healthcare system, and he at the time was down, uh, he was basically running it, from, from, for lack of a better term. We'll get more into that in just a moment. But Don Sorensen is currently the president of Mercy's East Region. Um, and is that true, Don? Is that exactly the way, or is it now That's everything? Right. Absolutely, Shep. That's correct. Yeah, good, good. That's perfect. You. But this is the most important part. The fact that you run a large healthcare organization is cool because it gives you cred. But what gets me excited is your new book called Big 
hearted leadership. Five keys to create success through compassion. And when I first connected with you, how many years ago was that? When I was down in Springfield and then the tour of all those, uh, you know, the health centers and the hospital. When was that? Right. That was uh, about 2012. So we've known each other for a long time. No, no. It was before 2012. Uh, 2002. Two. 2002. So a minor 10-year yeah. variance there. Yeah. So <laughs> I've known I rounded you. up. Yeah, that's good. So I've known for you 14 of the 16 years you were there. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. And I remember it was great. And we went around and we we did customer service, patient relationship programs, that kind of thing. And then recently, you and I reconnected just because we saw each other hanging out around the same places. But we found out we were neighbors. But more importantly, recently, I've come to your uh, healthcare system on one of your important days where you had the leadership from all of the different places that, uh, you know, fall under the Mercy brand come in. And we did a program together, and I learned some really cool things about you beyond the fact that you've written this great book. Again, a, a shameless plug for you, Big Hearted Leadership, Five Keys to Create Success Through Compassion, available everywhere, especially at Amazon.com. How's you that keep for? plugging away, I buddy. I figured you'd be happy with that. <laughs> but, but we did a program, and it was all about uh, you know the great patient experience. And I think that having a guy that has led and created a culture of a very customer-focused, and in this case, patient-focused organization, I think uh, everybody wants to hear it. Because as I read your book, and it's a great book, by the way, it's an easy book to read, uh, written the way I like it, words that I can understand, but more importantly, I think I got through this thing in just a, you know one good plane trip, so maybe an hour and a half or so, and just some great ideas, great reminders. And I started thinking about how so much of this applies to customer service. And one of the key things that you talked about uh, to your people and I picked up on is that, and this is not an easy thing to do. We want to be in healthcare. It's very competitive. We want to be a low cost provider and deliver the highest level of patient experience that we can. Is that right? Yes. And then you add the highest clinical quality. So oh, those absolutely. three items you just spoke of is what can move market share. Right. Truly. That moves market share in the healthcare community. But think about it in, in any business. If you can, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm not so fixated on price because even though things are really super highly competitive, if you nail the, the two that you talked about, great customer service or patient service tied in with amazing quality, you start right. to make price less relevant. That said, there are many businesses out there that are selling a commodity. I mean, you sell health care. I can get my x-rays. I can go and get my arm. You know, uh, when I break my arm, I go in any emergency room. Uh, I could go to all different places and get this done. Why come to Mercy? And I think you created a good proposition for anybody who's thinking about it to do so. Well, you're right, Chef. So pricing is done really based on two things, right? You can either be commodity priced being bought at at the lowest common price or value priced, which is the consumer is willing to pay more for the experience. In healthcare, uh, the government, insurers, uh, businesses are trying to take us to commodity as fast as they possibly can, but we say kind of fully to that, uh, to the extent that we can have top decile quality and top decile measurable patient service, uh, we win the value equation every day. That's great. And I think that's important, and any business should be doing that. All right, let's talk about your book because uh, there's some things in here I just think are really important to bring out. One of the things that stood out, actually, there was a great quote. I have this thing dog-eared and underlined. Um, 
and this is, I'm, I, I, I'm actually going to just read this one little excerpt from the book. Big-hearted leadership is not about syrup and sent, sentimentalism. <laughs> sentimentalism, that's a great word. That's a tough one for me. Uh, but, <laughs> but intelligence and More action. More than two syllables for you, yeah, I know, I know, it's tough. <laughs> so here's what you write. For good reason, the heart is, and by the way, again, it's, it's big-hearted leadership. So for good reason, the heart is associated with emotion. But it would be missing the point to conclude that big-hearted leadership is about sentiment. Sure, as you'll discover, a good leader should be sensitive, compassionate, and caring. A leader should do his or her best to develop what experts call emotional intelligence. But I'm not, uh, I'm not in the business of encouraging – oh, here's my, my line. I love this. But I'm not in the business of encouraging leaders to be spineless saps. I love that. Effective right. leaders have minds, and they are called to use them. They have wills, and they are willed to assert them to make tough decisions. So if you hear heart and you think of syrup and, sentiment, and sentimentalism, you're wrong. Big-hearted leadership isn't about weakness. It's about strength, and you must practice in order to get strong. Remember, the heart is a muscle. I love this. I think it kind of sums up. I mean, this sounds, this title, Big-Hearted Leadership, and it's got it's red, and there's a heart on it. And it, I just want to say that it's a fun read, it's an easy read, but it's definitely a strong read. Thank you very much. I really appreciate those words, especially from you. But you're, that that clearly is one of the summing points of the book. But big-hearted leadership is is about being effective and intelligent, of course. To be a good leader, you have to be effective and intelligent. But it means with a big heart. So it's kind of based on the belief that you don't have to choose between effectiveness and empathy. It's and. Be effective and have empathy. And your, your leadership style can be good for business. Of course it can, but it also can be good for people. I think that's great. One of the things, and I was going to get to this, is that you say it's okay to get angry and show your anger. And I thought, whoa, okay, that could be a little tough. That could be a little scary. So why don't you give us a comment or two on that one? Sure. So it, it's, it's, it's being authentic to yourself and it, it, for yourself, for people. So it's being genuine. And being genuine is, is so important. It's, um, you know, it's, you offer up who you are, nothing more, nothing less. And it's easy to give praise, or it should be as a, as a leader, to give praise but you're not being authentic if you don't show anger at, at the right time, right? So then if, if people can see your wide range of emotions, and also, by the way, add into that, crying should be okay. It's being authentic. Do you cry in front of your people? I have, yeah. The answer is yes. And The answer is yes. If I'm moved, um, I tend to be a kind of an emotional guy anyway, and I'm not embarrassed if I am moved to a point where I get emotional. And in my business is, you know, we're, we're in the business of saving lives, elongating life, uh, making life better. And when I see our six, our 800 doctors and our 15,000 employees doing God's work and doing wonderful work in our, uh, under tough conditions, yeah, I, I can get emotional. And I've gotten emotional in, in, large, in front of large groups or just one-on-one. Wow, wow. I, being and, authentic. Yeah, I think that's, that's what's important. Being that's genuine. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, last year I got up in front of um, almost 2,000 members of the National Speakers Association. I was president of the association on their board, and I had the privilege of, of um, uh, 
basically saying thank you to a speaker that moved me to tears. Uh, her name was Immaculate Ilabagaza, and she talked about um, the genocide that happened in her in her country and how she survived it, and her family was, and I mean, I couldn't talk. I had to get up, and I had to thank her, and I got up in front of people, and, and I had tears in my eyes. They were rolling down my cheeks. It wasn't, an, it wasn't like a little sniffly emotional cry. It was a, the real hardcore thing. <laughs> I couldn't even right. talk. And uh, wow, I felt when you, when vulnerable. When you exercise too. that, when yeah. You, yeah. Well, so there you go. I was just going to lead to that. So when you're vulnerable, what does that do? First of all, it disarms anyone. If you're in a, if you're, if you're vulnerable, you're, people are disarmed, and they, it establishes trust and inspires. Right. You you now are. Uh, it, it's it's you you now can be trusted. You're vulnerable, and it'll inspire people. It's it's human as well, by the way. It's, it goes back to this being genuine. So to be genuine, how do we be genuine? Well, first of all, you have to find out who you are. You have to be really good at yourself, right? Find out who you are, be authentic to it, and do it with a purpose. Offer yourself up. Offer yourself up. Now, don't do it too far. Don't you know? Don't don't offer yourself. Just offer yourself up. Nothing more. Nothing less. Wow, great ideas. And I think as it applies to running an organization that's that's people focused, customer focused, and employee focused. Right. This is so important. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a few other ideas that are in the book and plus really wrap a bow on how all of this applies to creating an incredible culture that's totally customer and employee-focused. This is Shep Hyken. We're on Amazing Business Radio talking with Don Sorensen. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Shep Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and we are talking with Don Sorensen, the author of Big Hearted Leadership, Five Keys to Create Success Through Compassion. And when you meet Don, you see this good-looking guy. And I'm not just saying that, Don. You are a good-looking guy. You're big. You're, you know, when I say big, you, know, you, you have a presence about you. You're obviously athletic. And throughout the book, you have many different athletes and, and other uh, you know, luminaries in business chiming in. For example, your forward, Jackie Joyner-Kersey wrote your forward. Now, for those yeah. that don't know who Jackie Joyner-Kersey is, she's an Olympian that has broken multiple records. She's a really big deal and i think it's cool she's the, uh, yeah she's she's actually the, been been widely known as the greatest uh female athlete of all time she continues to hold heptathlon records and i am just so proud to call her a friend she is a special lady yeah she really is and talk about giving back and we're going to talk about giving yeah. back in just a little while but first let's talk about this uh, you have a whole chapter on enthusiasm and and here's yeah. my thought if if you are going to motivate people in uh, any role i mean they could i here's my philosophy and again you run a huge company 15,000 employees uh, you know that's big uh, when you get into a company 
the important thing is what's happening on the inside of an organization is being felt on the outside by the customer. Your customer happens to be patients and their families. So it doesn't really matter what business you're in. What's happening internally is felt on the outside. I think enthusiasm from the leader is contagious, and that's an old saying, enthusiasm is contagious. But a friend of mine, Danny Cox, says if what you have is not enthusiasm, that's also contagious. So, right. yeah, tell us, uh, uh, share a few nuggets from that part of the book. Sure. Um, I, I'll be happy to. So, first of all, the first thing, and I agree, you absolutely, this is essential to a big-hearted leader is enthusiasm. The first thing you have to do is believe in yourself inside and out and know yourself. Then you have to believe in your company's product or service. Have to believe in it. Have to think it's the greatest thing in the world. And then you have to go and take your enthusiasm out and transfer it. So Emerson said uh, something like, nothing great has ever been achieved without enthusiasm. I certainly agree with that. Even the law of thermodynamics says that as people or anything uh, work or use, energy levels drop, right? Level of thermodynamics. So right. you have to change that. You have to, you have to uh, bring forward uh, a vision and be enthusiastic and, and let it spread across your organization of everyone you touch. Conversation is the way to do it. Conversation is the currency of leadership and influence. You can't you can't do it over your email. You can't do it over the phone. You have to be here and with. That's actually a, a chapter in the book. Right. Being That's here and with. You have two. to physically be with your employees. Be accessible. Be available. It, we're now disembodied through the digital age. I went and had lunch with my son today, and he sat on his phone the whole time. So that doesn't work. You can't transfer enthusiasm by texting. You have to be there. You have to be present. I think that you know it's. Today, we do live in a digital age. What, what cracks me up is when my daughters, my, my, both my daughters are young, but my one daughter is hanging out with her friends, texting her friend who's like at the other side of the dinner table. Right off. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it is the culture that's, and I, I, I am not exaggerating. People say, oh, he's joking. No, I'm not joking. I caught her doing that. And, and, and it wasn't necessarily a catch. She didn't feel it. That's just the way that people communicate sometimes that's a generation that's doing that so i accept that uh you know how do you how do you let them know your enthusiasm all capital letters you know they call that shouting and texting and email right. <laughs> you want to use all caps but you know it's hard sometimes to show that compassion and i think uh, hey if you want to use technology and people are distant and not close and you're not able to connect with them physically in the same room or the same building there's always video video is powerful right. you know right um, you know, you've got uh, uh, you can FaceTime essentially, uh, for lack of a better term, an individual, but you can uh, do that same technology to a large group. And, and, and now you can interact with them. Uh, you can use different, you know, there's Zoom technology. There's Google Plus technology. There's lots of technologies out there that allow you to communicate two way via video distance so that people know that you're still connected with them, even though they're out in the field on the other side of the country and even the other side of the world. Right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's my opinion that people don't want less interaction or less human touch. They want more. You see, if, if you, you just have to, be, you have to be there. You have to be with everybody. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, so there's one other part of the book I want to talk about. I think this is really important, too. Your last chapter, and let me get to it, it's about turning your organization into a force for good. And 
coincidentally, the last chapter of my last book, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, was essentially, a. I mean, I, other than I titled it something different, it was basically about giving back. And you great. really, you tell a great story in the book about how you went to the kitchen and you saw all these people doing amazing things on a total volunteer level. And you also saw people who needed those things that you were just shocked. Good people in need of help and support. And, uh, Talk to me about your charitable beliefs. And by the way, here's my tie-in to the customer experience. If you look, probably one of the most successful charities in the world is Virgin Unite, which is Sir Richard Branson's charitable right. arm of Virgin. And people, people flock to using the brand because they love not just what Virgin does, but what they stand for as well. And I think that's part of the whole giving back thing, the whole being right. a part of the community. So share with us your thoughts on that. Okay, a couple things. One is, first is more of a black and white, and that is I believe anyone who has means needs to give back. Any successful company, and I mean that specifically, successful company needs to give back. So if somebody's struggling or a company is struggling, not necessarily have to give back. But if you are – if you're if you're blessed – it's an obligation to reach down and pull somebody up. That is fact for me. So the second part is the part that feels good. So I believe in giving back. I'm chairman of Make-A-Wish Missouri. I'm chairman of Care to Learn, uh, all big philanthropic organizations. And um, when you give back, it feels good. It's it's a wonderful feeling, and it, you you give a gift to yourself is giving a gift to yourself, right? And so if if it feels good to you, guess what? It'll feel good to your employees. So Force for Good is uh, a name I came up with 12, 13 years ago, and that is when you're an organization of size, you can right wrongs. You can be a force for good, and you get your employees behind it, and you get them doing bake sales and and uh, fun events inside their departments to raise money for a specific cause that everyone believes in, and it should and can change um, over time. It gets them excited too, and it's a sense of purpose. It's a sense of giving back. It's a sense of community, and it it's very powerful and. It's the right thing to do. Agreed, 100%. And you know what else, as, as mentioned, I think your patients pick up on, on the, when you yep. tell them and let them know. And I think it's important, not for marketing purposes, although I know that a lot of businesses give back to their community in the form of all the charities you've mentioned and sometimes more community, local-based types of charities that are, you know, maybe it's a school, maybe it's, you know, some, you know, there's a, a great organization here that gives back to uh, the arts, you know, whatever the charity is. They do that because they want to give back, but at the same time, when you give, you get, and there's no doubt. And, and it's sometimes it's more, and by the way, I have no problem with this. We're not giving, at least my feelings, many of these people and companies are not giving just so people will give back, but that's the result of what happens when they give, because people want to be a part of that. That's right. And when I use the word force for good or right or wrong, do it in – pick a charity or an objective that you can write, you can fix. So it's not diffuse. Uh, I, I love the United Way. And I give to the United Way. But in a case like this, find a school where there's kids that uh, go hungry over the um, weekends or where they don't have shoes and 
talk, bring that back, get your uh, employees excited about it, and solve that problem. So you can say to everyone, every kid now has shoes in that school. Every kid has uh, food for the weekends. And oh, by the way, to you and your listeners, that is true. There are kids that don't have shoes and, uh, and are hungry over the weekends in almost every school. That's amazing. And when you can go and fix that, when you can go and tell your employees, we just fixed every XYZ school, every kid has shoes and food over the weekend because of what you've done. Wow. I don't know about you, but I got you know goosebumps just saying that. Right, I do too. And you can do that, and you can do that. You, and you scale it up and scale it down depending upon the size of your organization. So I, I love it, love it. And, you know, I, I got to see what happens is when people inside an organization feel good about what they're doing. They feel good about their jobs. They love the people they work with, especially the leadership who have big hearts, as you do. Uh, I think what happens is it translates directly to the outside. And I don't care if you are working deep on the inside of the company and never interact with a customer on the outside, but you're dealing with people internally, or you in a, you're in a customer support role where you're dealing directly. It could be a, a, a you right. know, phone. It could be via Internet. It doesn't matter. When you start to feel really good about the company you work for, it permeates to the outside. And I think that's what so much of what you talk about is. It's big-hearted leadership is what the leader does to transform the culture of a company because the people feel great about the organization and the people that they work with and for. Yep, you've got it. You've got it. You All right. said it well. Well, thank you. So the book is called Big Hearted Leadership, Five Keys to Create Success Through Compassion by Don, and that's D-O-N-N, two N's because he's that big of a guy. <laughs> Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. Go to Amazon.com, pick up the book, learn about Big Hearted Leadership. I hope you've enjoyed this show today. I think it's been great. Don, thanks a million for being on the show. Appreciate you much, very, very much. My name's Chef Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. And remember to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.